Well, my name is Ron Cool, and I'm one of the pastors here as well, and it's just, a, again, a joy to welcome all of you here. We're going to continue. We're up to the last section here, finally, almost to the end of our series on Ephesians, and, and we've been calling this Finding Our Place. And we said that, you know what, what Paul does here is he, he lets us know who we are in Christ, that we were dead in our sins, but we're alive now in Christ. He, he lets us know where we fit in, in, into our world with the community around us in the church and in our neighborhoods and let us know how we fit it with, a, with governments around us and all those things. He's been telling us about finding our place. But then when we came to, to six, chapter 6, verse 10, we realized that Paul wants to pull us back a little bit and said, let me tell you something, there's a whole other level here that's going on. And he talks us to, calls us to think about spiritual warfare. He calls us to think about the fact that, that our battle is not just against the things we see. It's not just against our old nature inside of us. But he says that the devil is real and demons are real. And they're part of this battle as well. He says this in Ephesians 6 verse 12. We read these words. He says, for our struggle is not, and I put only in there, not only against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so we said, you know, we got to recognize that this is a part of what goes on in our world, that there are attacks, there are demons, there are devils, and and all that stuff is real. Now, we said as we go through this, we need to avoid two errors, all right, two kind of extremes. On the one hand, we have to avoid kind of underestimating the power of the devil. And, and just kind of saying, well, there's never any spiritual cause to anything. It's all just natural. We can explain everything by natural causes. That's what most of the culture we live in does. That's what they do. They, 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 they talk about just the natural causes for everything. And we said we've got to fight against that and recognize spiritual warfare is real. But we also have to fight against overestimating the power of spiritual warfare. Uh, making everything the devil and making everything wrong and, and failing to recognize that sometimes there are physical causes to what's going on and psychological causes and, and other factors that go into this. And so trying to kind of make our way between those two and, and say, you know what, we want to take it seriously, but recognize that the main story is God. So we spent a couple of weeks talking about the enemy. We started with a question of, well, what is the enemy like? And we said that about a third of the angels followed Satan, followed Lucifer in rebelling against God. They were created good, but they chose to rebel against God, and and, and they chose to to try to destroy everything God does. Now, they can't defeat God, so their their goal is to destroy what God is creating. That is us, all right, to destroy the church, to draw away followers uh, of Jesus Christ. And so we talked about that. Then last week we talked about, well, how does the enemy fight? What are the schemes of the devil? Paul uses that term, the schemes of the devil. And we said sometimes he attacks directly. But more often for us, he he tends to attack us indirectly, that he comes in disguise. We don't even know it's going on, but he tempts us, and he he uses distraction or distortion, deception. He he accuses us. He he divides us. And, 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 And so we talked about those schemes, and I think it's important for us to know those things, okay? I think it's important for us to understand how the devil works. But i got to recognize and, and remind you again that Paul's main point is not for us to know about the devil. We need to know about that, but we need to know more know about Jesus Christ. And, and the main story is always Jesus Christ, and sometimes we get that wrong. We make the main story the devil. It's, it's a side story. The main story is Jesus Christ. And so today we start to get into that, and, and we ask ourselves, okay, how do we fight back? How do we begin to fight back in this battle, this spiritual warfare battle that's going on? And, and, and we go back and, and start with, with what Paul says in, in verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord, okay, and in his mighty power. We don't try to fight on our own. We are not strong enough. We are not smart enough to fight against the devil on our own. That's just the way it is, and we need to acknowledge that. So we have to stand strong in the Lord and, and, and in his mighty power, and we do that, Paul says, by putting on the full armor of God. 
putting on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's scheme. Verse 12, I I read it already, but for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And then Paul comes back to it again in verse 13. Therefore, put on the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. It's about standing strong in Jesus Christ. You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Next word in verse 14, stand then, okay? Stand firm then, and he starts to describe the armor of God. And what we're going to do is take the first three this week and the next three next week. With a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He goes on, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So he he talks about what Paul does is he takes the image of a a Roman soldier and uh, this is uh, what they would have looked like at that time. It would have been very familiar to all the people in Ephesus, all the people in those surrounding towns and villages that were reading this letter. would have been familiar to basically everybody in that part of the world because Rome was in charge of basically the whole world at that time. And and, and so, Paul, they would have been familiar with this. But let me just kind of real quick kind of overall show you the different pieces of the armor. The belt is there. It goes around the waist, and we'll give you a better picture of that in a minute. Um, But the breastplate, again, covering the chest and and, uh, front and back and so on. The boots, the shoes that are down there. The shield, uh, it was a large shield. Uh, we'll look at it next week, but it was a, a large shield that could cover a lot of their body and then join together to help fight against uh, the helmet of, uh, that's there. Um, we go around, the, include the jaw pieces there. And then you can't see it very well, but there is a sword that is hidden there. It's a little bit of a dagger. The word that Paul uses is the shorter sword. They had longer swords as well, but this seems to be he's talking about that shorter one, though I'm not sure that's significant. So what Paul does is everybody knew these things, right? Everybody would have seen this armor all the time. And he says, okay, now let me tell you what it means to be a Christian ready to fight. Let me tell you what it means to be a Christian to be ready for battle. Let's talk about the armor of God. And he says, you don't put on a belt, you put on truth, okay? The belt of truth he's going to talk about. And when it comes to a breastplate, what you put on, he says, is righteousness, and, and with the boots, it's, it's the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And, and that, uh, that shield becomes faith. It's, that's what acts as our shield. And that helmet is salvation. And the sword is the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit. It is the word of God. So we're going to break these down, take the first three today, the next three next Sunday, and talk about what it means to get dressed. And I want to just kind of remind you of why it's so important. My, my prayer is, in, is, is that you know, starting this week and then going on next week, that we learn to just kind of somewhere in our morning routine, put on the armor of God. Not because it's magic, okay? Not because somehow then nothing bad will happen to you, but just to say, God, I want to be ready. Because the fact of the matter is, each and every one of us, every day, will face some troubles, challenges, attacks, temptations. We, we do every single day. Sometimes there are major ones. And, and at those times, we need to be ready. Some of you are familiar, many of you are familiar. We've been praying for the last year for uh, little Ben Closter. It was just under a year ago that Peter and Amy, little son Ben, two years old at the time, they noticed that he had some swelling by his eye. They noticed that it, you know, someone, but they had a cold, he had a cold and it wasn't, you know, they didn't think anything of it. It stayed, it got a little worse, it got a little worse. They finally went to the doctor, the doctor said, get down to the hospital, we got to check this thing out. They, they withdrew some fluid and they thought, okay, you see, it was just a sinus infection. 
But those of you who know the story know that I think it was November 16 was the exact day that the doctor came in and said, your two-year-old has cancer. Your two-year-old has cancer. And just stop. I can't imagine, honestly. You know, I say, oh, I can imagine. No, I can't imagine what it would be like when I look at even my grandkids and, and, and I just think if one of those guys, those little guys got diagnosed with cancer, it would just, I mean, Peter and Amy, their world in that moment was absolutely turned upside down. Their world was absolutely turned upside down. And they started to cry. And, and the people who were with them, so another couple from church here, they were with them. And they started to cry. And, and one of the first things, this is, maybe you don't know this part. But one of the first things Peter said, and, and he, let me, he, he said I could share this. He said, okay. We started to put our armor on. We're starting to put our armor on. And they had already started when they started to think that something wasn't right. And, and he said, every day since then, we have been putting the armor of God on. And it doesn't mean everything is easy, and it doesn't mean everything is perfect, and it doesn't mean everything just kind of goes right. I said, you know what? We were able to face the challenges and, and, and to watch your two-year-old and then your three-year-old get sick every day after chemo, to, to, to lose the hair, to go through all of that. And, and to not know how it's going to come out. I mean, they were hopeful. And again, we praise God because he's doing really well. But you know what they said? No matter what, we, we are in a fight. And every day they've been putting on the armor of God. I, I don't know what's going to happen to you. I don't know if something's going to happen to you today. I talked to somebody this morning who just decided because of job stuff, they're going to move to Texas. And all of a sudden they're going to be gone. And it's like my whole world just gets turned upside down. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know who it's going to come. And again, I, the Bible really, in, interestingly to me, the Bible is interested in saying, well, let's find out exactly where this came from. No, the Bible just says, put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God so you can stand strong. So that's why I want to just say to you, I mean, I think about Peter and Amy, and, and again, we're so grateful, but, but they were so strong through all of this, all of this, but not in themselves, in the Lord. They every day rooted themselves in God's strength. And, and, and my desire is for all of us to do that. And, and every day, you know, you can do it in the shower if you want. It don't take very long. But just to say, God, you know, dress me. So let's take a look at what all these things are. And then hopefully, you'll, I'll have some prayers in here. And I'm, I'm hoping next week to have those, like on a card that you can use to remind yourself of this. And, and that you can use maybe every day to put on the armor of God. But let's start with the belt of truth, all right? E- Ephesians 4.14 says, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Let's go to our friendly Roman here. And let's focus on the, uh, on the belt, okay? Y- you can see it gathered there. And, and what it's got is it's got a, pl- a place that would go around. It would get tied in the back. And um, you can see it also has, it's actually more of an apron. It has some stuff kind of hanging down, and, and it would, in some of these instances, they found them that they go basically all the way around. But, but the belt was there, all right? And, and, and we have to ask, what was it used for? What, what was this used for? And, and it was kind of two primary purposes. The first one is, is I'm going to use an old word here that some of you will recognize, some of you may not. It was used for girding girding, all right? If you, if you have a King James Bible, if you go home and read this passage, it'll say, having girded your loins, uh, and other passages talking about girding your loins. Well, we don't do a lot of girding these days. Women used to wear girdles, and so if you think of that, that's exactly the kind of the idea here. Um, and, 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 and so what happens is, you notice that, that the, the Roman soldier here is wearing a robe, okay? Now, this is a shorter one, but they also wore longer ones. And, and what happened before you went into battle and this would happen well before battle. If you knew there was going to be a battle or thought there might be a battle that day, as you were getting closer, well in advance, you'd want to gird your loins. And what that would mean is you'd take your robe and you'd kind of roll it up in a certain way and then you'd tuck it into your belt. 
Okay, you're, you're taking this because when you go into battle, you don't want to have robes flowing all over the place, right? You don't want somebody to be able to grab onto that. You don't want to get caught on something. And so you want to put everything away. And that's why it's sort of like a girdle, right? Wasn't that kind of the purpose to, for a woman to be able to take some of this extra stuff and shove it in a girdle and get it out of the way, right? And, and, so, uh, and, 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 and so that's what they would do. And they were girding their loins. They were, they were putting everything away. They were getting for battle. You think about tucking in your shirt, you know, it's, it's in, or... or Again, you know, I mean, a track person takes off those sweats because they got that uniform or a football player, it's so tight, right? So you don't want anybody to be able to grab anything. And, and, and that's what this belt was for. It was to tuck everything in. It was to, and I could not say these words at the first service, it was fastening your clothing securely, okay? I was fascinating in all kinds of crazy things at the first service, but fastening clothing securely. It would do that. It would also hold your dagger in place, and, 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 and so, you know, I mean, again, you get this idea of, of all right, you know, if, you're, if you think about getting ready to do something, right, getting ready to do a contest of some sort or a battle, again, you're going to just kind of make sure everything is, is, is where it's supposed to be. All right, so it had that sense of girding, of, of, of putting things in their proper place, but it was also protecting the lower midsection, right? Again, like I say, they would go around, they would protect the thighs and anything else important in that area that you might want to protect, right? Um, and so that, let's be honest about it, okay? It, that's, it was to protect some valuable parts. And, 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 and so there's a kind of a sense of, again, that sense of intimacy, closeness, and of saying, okay, that's what, with this belt, it's, it's like your Under Armour, right? It's like... I mean, I'm thinking the, the clothing under armor, right? It's, it's like that. It's, it's doing that, and it's early preparation, all right? Knowing that a battle is coming. And, and, and so the first thing Paul says is put on the belt. But he says it's the belt of truth, all right? So the first thing Paul says you got to do is you're getting dressed in the morning, as you're getting ready to go and try to serve Jesus Christ in this world today, is, is you put on truth, all right? And part of why we do that, and, and, and if you were here last week, you know this, because we quoted John 8, verse 44, where it says that Satan is the father of lies. That Satan is the father of lies. And so one of the first things we do is we make a commitment to be people who, who speak the truth, people who live out the truth, people who know the truth. So when we think about the truth that we put on, a lot of Bible teachers will say it's one thing. About half of them will say it's another thing. And I want to say, I think it's probably both. I I don't think we have to choose between these. I think Paul probably has both in mind. What is he talking about? What does it mean for us to put on the belt of truth, to to get everything kind of starting our day by getting ready and, and putting on truth? First kind of truth I think that Paul is talking about is what we might call objective truth. It's, it's what I would call the truth of knowing and believing the truth about God and about us. All right, this is, this is kind of, these are facts. These are truths. These are things that we believe. These are things that we understand. This is the faith that we, pre- post, uh, that we profess. All right, Ephesians 4, going back two chapters, 20 and 21. Paul says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with what? with the truth that is in Jesus. See, that's kind of an objective thing. There is this truth in Jesus, about Jesus, about us. And it's what we learn. It's what we were taught, okay? And, and it kind of has a primarily kind of mental focus of what we affirm. And so I think, and, and again, I think Peter and Amy could tell you that, that this is part of what they did every day is they put on the truth of saying, you know what, God, we know that you are on our side. We know that you are with us. If our God is with us, then who can stand against us? I mean, a lot of things, songs we sing is a great way to think about those truths. But let me give you an example of, of three of the truths that I kind of put on regularly in my life, all right? The first one is an important one. It's not one that's as fun to put on, but it's, it's this, that I am worse than I usually think. 
Okay, I am worse than I usually think. And, 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 and why that's important to put on, it's, it, basically I'm just saying, look, I'm dead in my sins, right? The Bible makes it clear that one of the things that's true of me is on my own, I am dead. And I need to remember that because when I remember that, then I'm willing to say, God, help me. <laughs> if I think I can handle life on my own, I am in a very vulnerable position. So part of the truth I put on is say, God, remind me that I'm very weak apart from you. Remind me that I can only stand strong in you. Remind me that I'm not as strong as I think I am. And, and, and so God, give me that. And so, you know, and, and just being honest, think about trying to live in humility with others. Think of if every time we were in a conversation with somebody, we were deeply aware that we can be wrong. At least you can. No, right? I mean, if, if we were deeply aware, God, I, I've been wrong so often. It gives me a humility. It gives me ears to listen. It gives me, and so just, you know, I'm not saying, oh, I'm as horrible as can be. But I'm, I, I, I'm a sinner, okay? I'm dead in that. I, I, on the other hand, the second thing I need to remind myself of, and I do this, is just I'm more loved than I could ever imagine. And those two, I think, are, are, you do great just to start every day saying, God, remind me that I'm worse than I usually think, <laughs> but more loved than I could ever imagine. And, and that's who I am in Christ. That's the truth. That's the reality. And, and, and God is in control. I mean, that's when I just say, God, as I go through this day, remind me that you are in control. And so it's putting on that truth. It's knowing and believing the truth about God and about us. The other kind of truth that we put on, though, is that's kind of objective, but we also put on subjective truth, all right? All right. Talk about distractions. You all just <laughs> over here, didn't you? <laughs> we love babies. Don't worry about it. All right? So, uh, <laughs> all right. But, you know, it, it's, it's, there's truth we believe, but there's also truth we live, okay? It's being committed to truthfulness. Again, the devil is the father of lies. And so to be committed to truthfulness in the community, that's what Paul calls for, Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Again, he uses truth in verse, what is it, 21 there, to say it's the truth of Jesus, that, that object. And now he saying, now speak, because that speak truthfully, okay? And, 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 and be truthful with one another and be committed to that truthfulness. And so I, I think, again, that is so important. For us just to say, because the devil is the father of lies. For us just to say, God, help me to, 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 to know the truth, all right? The truth absolutely messes up the devil's schemes. Uh, again, I, I pick on Amy and, and, and Peter here a little bit of just saying, you know what? They could have said, oh, God, you know, we're going to pretend that he doesn't have cancer. We're going to pretend that we don't need to have chemo. We're going to pretend we don't, you know, we're just... No, they took the truth. They wanted to know it up. They wanted to know it, everything that was going on, so that they could be ready to fight with everything they had. And it takes truth, friends. And we don't like to see the truth. So this prayer on this one would be something like this. God, give me a heart. A heart that genuinely seeks the truth. Eyes that see the truth, that can, can see what's really there. The courage to accept the truth. And the strength to live it out. Truth is not easy, friends. We are so full of deception. Jeremiah 17 says, the, the heart is deceitful above all things. We are so full of deception. We don't like to, trace, to, to face the truth. But the truth shall set you free, Jesus said. So we put on that belt and say, God, help us to be people of truth. Help me to remember the truth. That's the belt of truth. The second is the breastplate of righteousness, all right? The breastplate of righteousness with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Again, verse 14. And if we go to our friendly Roman here um, and, and bring him up here, you'll notice this was 
often made of iron, um, from what I understand. It would be kind of, there would be half circles, and then you'd tie them in front, and they would tie them in back, all right? You'd also have the shoulders uh, that would be there. Um, and, and again, it was absolutely essential. When we think about what it does, this one's obvious. It's, it's just protecting vital organs. You got your heart, you got your lungs, you get pierced in the heart, you're dead, right? They knew that, okay? It's protecting vital organs. If there's, you know, if there's one piece of armor in some sense that we say, that's what I want, it's a bulletproof vest, right? I mean, this is what this is. It's saying, I want to protect this. I want to center mass. I want to protect that part of who I am. That's what the breastplate of righteousness does, protection for those vital organs. And, and I think it's just interesting to note, it's front and back, sides and top, Okay. You can get attacked from any side, and, and these are not, sometimes you see kind of Roman gear that looks like it's just a plate in front, and I'm sure some people had that, but, but by this time, most people were like, I know I can get attacked from the back, and, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this all around. All right, let's jump to us again. What about the breastplate of righteousness for us? What does it mean for me in the morning to put on truth and then to put on the breastplate of righteousness, okay, to, 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 to dress myself in that? Again, two things, and they're going to kind of parallel the truth ones. All right? We're going to change on the third one. But this is going to kind of parallel the truth ones. And, and the first one is, it's, it's the righteousness of Christ. I put on the righteousness of Christ and, and his righteousness. In, in his letter to the Romans, Paul does this as clear as he does anywhere in the New Testament. But Paul is talking about righteousness, and we all want to be righteous, right? Innocent, good, the people who are square, who got it right, who are, who are decent people. We want to, and we have a sense that somehow we need to, to be right with God, right? We just have that sense, each and every one of us. We can try to deny it, but it's not societal guilt. It's, it's, we have a sense of that inside of us that we want to, and Paul is talking about trying to be righteous, And he says, you know, in his life, he did everything he could to try to be righteous. He followed the laws that God gave in the Old Testament as absolutely clearly as he could. He did everything he could. But he said, you know what? None of us get it right. None of us are righteous. And he said, that's why we need Jesus, because in him we are. He says this in verse chapter 3, 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are redeemed, we are righteous, not because of anything we've done, not with how often we've gone to church, not with how often we've prayed, not with how much money we've given. Our righteousness is simply the righteousness of Christ. And every morning you need to remind yourself of that. Every morning you need to say, God, remind me to put on the, bre- the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it's, again, it's confessing that, that, that we all fall short, that we are indeed completely righteous in Jesus Christ, that I am completely forgiven in Jesus Christ. And, and, and part of where this becomes so important is because when the devil comes, and we said one of the main things he does is he is the accuser. And, and you get the, you, you're going to be in the middle of a difficult time you're going to be the one who's got a sick child or you're going to be going through something difficult and the devil's going to say, this is because of what you did. This is because if God does not love you because you're a sinner and you are unrighteous and this is because of, of your unrighteousness that this is happening in your life. And the devil knows sins that you've committed that I don't and that nobody else does and he will remind you of those. And that's when you need to say, no, I've got the righteousness of Christ on. 
I have got the breastplate of righteousness on. It is not about my righteousness. You're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I've fallen short. I mean, that's right. See, the answer to the devil is not, oh, no, you're not, I'm better than that. The answer is, you don't know how bad I am, but you don't know how good I am in Christ. Right? It's, it's recognizing that those accusations at one level are true, but they're not true anymore because of the righteousness of Christ. And every day we need to kind of just say, God, remind me of that. As I go through this day, remind me that my righteousness is in Christ. And again, we talked earlier in this series about how that produces humility in us because we've all fallen short. It's that declaration. But to just know the righteousness of Christ is there for us and to put that on every day. And then righteousness in our lives, okay? Again, like the truth about God, but committed to truth. So too, we put on the righteousness of Christ, but we also say, and I am committed to to doing as best I can. We're all still sinners and we all fail. But let's not let that be an excuse, but to become deeply passionate about honoring God with our lives. Again, Ephesians 4, Paul says, you were taught to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, this time righteousness is not that objective thing that we get from Jesus. This time righteousness is, is living it out. It's sanctification is another word that we use for this. It's, it's living it out and committing ourselves to that and, and every day. And let me tell you why I think this matters. I was thinking about that this week. And I want you just to imagine a situation in which you face a temptation. The fact is, we kind of can be aware of those things. I mean, sometimes they come in disguise, but we're there. Let's imagine that whether it's you're at work and you're tempted to kind of take something that you shouldn't, you know, because the kids need it for a project, or maybe it's late at night and you're looking on the computer and you remember somebody told you about this, the guys at work were talking about this porn site, and it's like, hey, maybe I should go there. Most of us in those situations, I think, I think most of us in those situations, we think three things. And this is, I think, why we fail, because we think these three things. First of all, we think it's not that big of a deal. It's only this. It's, it's only looking. I'm not having an affair. It's only, you know, telling one other person this gossip. It's only, and, and we say, it's really not a big deal. Second thing we say is, and nobody's going to catch me. No, nobody's going to know, right? No, nobody's going to find out. And then third, and God will forgive me. The one who does know, he's going to forgive me. And then we just do what we know we shouldn't do. Because those are only three reasons why not to, in a sense. And they're not very, str- I mean, th- those are, we, we just rationalize. They say, you know, look, I, I, so many of us, we don't sin because we're going to get embarrassed. Our commitment to not sinning is not about righteousness. It's about avoiding embarrassment. It's because I don't want you to know about it. But if I know you're not going to know about it, then why don't I just go ahead? And, 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 and again, God will forgive us. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, I think most of the time, a lot of us get away with a lot of sin. And, and we keep doing it because nobody finds out. It checks. And we just get it. But what if we said, what if we thought really genuinely in terms of part of this being spiritual warfare and our righteousness being involved in spiritual warfare? Because then what happens is I remember that maybe I don't want to do this because sinning gives the devil a foothold. Okay, sinning gives the devil a, a foothold. I am passionately committed to being and doing the right thing. And, 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 and sinning gives the devil a, a foothold that he can use. It, it's like an infection. That, uh, you know, I, I think so often, and it makes a difference for me when I remember that. Because when I'm in those situations where I say nobody else is going to know, and I might be right, nobody else is going to know, but the problem is it's like I open up my armor and I get an infection in there. And, and, and there's a momentum to sin. 
There just is. I speak from experience. Trust me. When you sin once, it's easier to sin the second time and the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time. And there is a momentum. And, 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 and so part of the way to stop that momentum is to say, you know what? I want to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And, and it's not just saying, it's not just Christ, but it's also saying, through my righteousness, I'm not going to give the devil a foothold. In, 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 in trying to, in, 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 see, so what our sin does is it's not going to necessarily separate you from God forever. You're going to get forgiven. That's exactly right. But what it does is it just gets inside and it causes damage to you and it causes damage to the body of Christ and to your witness. And, and so the breastplate of righteousness, part of the reason it's there is, is, is to keep me from doing those stupid things where I'm not going to get caught today, but where it's going to lead to my being on the sidelines somewhere down the line or just being damaged or not able to witness or whatever it is. And, and so I want you to, to try to work that into your thinking, okay, this week, if you can think about it. Whenever you find yourself facing a temptation to say, okay, God, hold on, give me the bless, breastplate of righteousness. I want to stand strong against this, not because I'm going to get caught, not because I'm embarrassed, but I want to stand strong against this because I, I don't want an infection. I don't want to damage. I don't want... I want to just be righteous because that protects me from the schemes of the devil, all right? So the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness in our lives, righteousness stops the accuser and gives him less to work with, all right? The prayer here might be something like this. God, dress me in the righteousness of Christ and help me to do the right thing. Both kind of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. All right, we got to keep moving here. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and then the boots of readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This is the longest one that Paul describes of the six. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. All right, back to our Roman soldier here. Notice his nice legs. And then you notice the shoes, right? Leather, this was pretty common. Um, and, and one thing that's interesting, historians, and especially those who looked at war, suggest that the shoes or the boots that Greek and Roman soldiers uh, developed were, were probably the key thing that moved those armies forward. That was the, it wasn't new spears, it wasn't new arrows, it was boots. We don't think of how important boots are, but just right when you, a professional athlete breaks a toe and they can't do anything. <laughs> if your feet are bad, you can't go anywhere. And so these boots became absolutely essential. There's, uh, underneath, I wanted to show you this picture. You'll notice that a couple of things here. Just notice the cleats, right? And the thick soles. And, and then again, just the air would flow through. So these were just absolutely essential in allowing the Roman soldiers to do what they needed to do. A couple of things they did. One was they allowed soldiers to stand firm, right, with those cleats. I wouldn't want to go into battle with, you know, these shoes on because they're kind of smooth on the bottom, all right, and I can slide too much. If I'm going to go, you know, I mean, you wear cleats so that you can dig in, so that you can find a place to stand, and thick soles, so that you're not going to twist an ankle too easily, so that you're not going to step on something and have it pierce right up into your foot. And, and, and so you want to you know, be able to stand firm. But the other thing, and, and this is really what made you know, Alexander the Great, his armies went around the world. Why? Because they had mobility. His armies could march faster and longer than other armies because of these boots, because they, they were lightweight, because they were able to travel in them. And so they gave them an, you know, a readiness. These are the boots of readiness. They were ready to stand strong, or ready to go. And, and that's what I think when we put on the, the boots of the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. <laughs> what we're talking about is saying, okay, God, help me today to be ready to stand firm or to go and tell anybody who needs to be told, all right? So the boots of readiness, but Paul says it comes from the, the, the gospel, the good news of peace. 
the announcement of, of God that there is peace. If you remember in Luke 2, what does the angel say? Peace on earth. All right, it's an announcement. It is gospel. It is good news of peace. Again, two things. This time the second one's going to be a little different. But the first one is, is peace with God, all right? It's the good news that we have peace with God, that we have been reconciled through Jesus Christ, and that God is not our enemy anymore. He does not want to crush us, and we don't have to hate him or run away from him. You know, in, in a sense, it's interesting, and I'm going to preach on it sometime, but the Bible makes clear one of the interesting things that I've not thought enough about is that before Jesus Christ, outside of Jesus Christ, the Bible talks about us hating God. And, and on the one hand, I want to say, I don't hate God. I don't think people hate God. But I think when we understand God and his holiness, he shows us so much of who we are that outside of Christ, it's like, get away from me. And there is something, but now to say there is peace with God. That's what Paul says again, back to Romans. Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, right? Interesting. Peace of God and standing in grace. And so he ties them together in Romans. He ties them together here again in Ephesians. So there's that peace with God. And the other kind of peace, this time I'm not going to go with peace with each other because this is an announcement of God's good news. What I want to say is it's also the peace of knowing that God is in control. The peace of knowing, it's peace of knowing that I have, I'm now right with God. And God is my friend. It's that peace, but it's also the peace of knowing that God is in control. And again, think about Peter and Amy or any, when we go to to just, your world gets turned upside down and to say, no, God is in control. Our God reigns. Our God is stronger. Our God. And and I think, uh, Paul, the passage in the Old Testament that Paul has in mind here is Isaiah 52. Look at how this just, this is what I think Paul was thinking about. How beautiful, Isaiah says, on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. The gospel, right? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And and what he's picturing is that a soldier, again, you think about soldiers running. Soldiers in battle, they win the battle. One of the things they would do is they would send a soldier to run back to the main city, in this case, Jerusalem. And that soldier would come into the city and proclaim peace and proclaim victory. And they would say, you know, how beautiful on those mountains are the feet of those who bring that good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. All right? That's why, you know, we have peace because our God reigns. We have peace because our God is, is in control. And, and knowing that can make all the difference in the world. And, and so when we put on these boots. It's the belt of truth. It's the breastplate of righteousness. And then it's the shoes of the boots of readiness that comes from peace. And when I have that peace with God and that peace of knowing God is in control, I am ready to stand firm. Or I am ready to let my feet be beautiful and go and tell. I mean, you think about that. Those, those boots, they're ready to stand firm. They're ready to go and tell. Paul is saying that's what you need to do. When you have the peace of God, you need to be ready to go and tell, and you need to be ready to stand firm. Because the devil hates it when we have peace. He wants anxiety. He wants worry. He wants concern. And again, it make me, let me be really clear. It's not that when we put on the armor of God, oh, nothing bad's going to happen to me today because I got on my armor. No, we're still going to go in the battle. We're still going to... And the fact is, sometimes we lose people we love in that battle. 
I mean, sometimes we lose people way too early, and I'm looking at some of you and thinking of that. It doesn't mean, oh, we didn't have our armor on. Again, please do not go there. The promise is not that we will win all the battles in this life. The promise is that God will never let us go. And he calls us to stand as firm as we can in this life, and ultimately nothing will take us out of his hands. So please don't hear me saying that you have a problem because you didn't put on the armor. No. No, the armor, sometimes we have it all on, and the battle is still strong. So this prayer would be something like this. God, give me the peace of knowing you love me and of knowing you're in control. So I'm ready to stand firm and, and to share the good news. And so, and, and, and what I'm hoping to do is next week have a card like that you can have all these on, like I said. But, but just to every morning say, God, remind me. And we have a heart that really knows your truth. God, remind me of who I am apart from you, of who I am in you. God, let me know your truth. Let me live it out. God, just cover me with the righteousness of Christ. Cover me with the righteousness of Christ. And then, God, help me to be righteous so that I don't give the devil a foothold. And God, help me to be ready. Help me to be ready. You know, I mean, like I say, you can do this in the shower. Maybe you can come up with But somewhere, come up with a routine. And, and just say, God, I need truth. I need righteousness. And I need readiness from the gospel of peace. The fact is you're going to face trouble. I don't know exactly when or where or how, but we all will. And, and so my prayer is that we will have on the armor so we're ready to go. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we need truth because we live in a world of lies. We need righteousness because we live in an unrighteous world and we are, apart from Christ, unrighteous. And we need readiness. We need boots of peace. Father, dress us and help us to dress ourselves in your armor so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand to receive God's parting word of benediction? Again, following the service, there are going to be some folks in the prayer room, and uh, they'd be happy to meet with you and pray with you after the service. People of God, as we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will go with each and every one of us, and may we put on the full armor of God. Go in God's grace. Amen.